Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live. I'm John Dankowski. Coming up on tomorrow's show, when Caesar Pelli designed the Petronas Towers in Malaysia, they were the tallest skyscrapers in the world. Since they opened in 1997, Taipei and Dubai have constructed even taller buildings, and many more are on the way. On the next Where We Live, we'll gaze up at the world of skyscrapers, how they're built, whether they work, and if they can get even bigger than they are already. You can join the conversation on air and online at WNPR.org, keyword where. Greg Tate of the Heartbeat Ensemble has been an important part of Hartford's artistic community for years. The Heartbeat creates original plays based on the place where they live, the greater Hartford area, and they work with school systems to create student theater works. Tate has been diagnosed with lung cancer and has been sharing intimate details of his treatment on a simple blog called Greg Tate Updates. Tonight at 7 o'clock, a large group of his artistic friends and others, including former Where We Live guests C.T. Improv and the saxophonist Mixashan and WNPR's own Kyone Wolf are all celebrating him in a program at the Mark Twain House. It'll be a benefit to help cover some of his medical expenses. Greg Tate uh, and Julia Rosenblatt, another co-founding artistic director of the Heartbeat Ensemble, join me in studio today. I'd like to welcome you both to Where We Live. Thank you, Thank John. you. So Thank first, you well, first of all, Greg, maybe you can tell me uh, about how you were first diagnosed with, with lung cancer. How long ago was it? Uh, February. The end of February. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what sort of prognosis were you given right away? Wasn't given, um, given any prognosis. I didn't ask for one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, lung cancer, the type of lung cancer I was diagnosed with um, has a, what did they say, 15% survival rate? It has a 15% uh, cure rate. Cure rate. Cure rate. The yeah, idea that you could be cancer-free, there's about 15%. Right. Um, so... That's a small percentage for a lot of other people. So, but I'm going to be one of those fifteen percent. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's <laughs> and that's one of the things about those percentages. You you, you never really know, but all, all that matters is that you're in the right side of the fifteen percent. Right? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, and so, you know, they kind of. I don't know. I think people with um, who've been diagnosed with cancer who might be listening would all empathize with, um, you know, a large, a, a doctor walks in with, walks into your hospital room with a large ball of awkward on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you say, um, so what's, what's the, what do you, what do you think? The ball of awkward goes, can you get this doctor off my head? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then the awkward tells you that, you know, you've got this thing and you're going to die and, there's nothing they can do about it except shrink it or delay it. I, you know, you don't you don't know the number of times that I've heard people say that that's how their diagnosis first came out of the doctor's mouth. Jill, uh, my particular oncologist, who turns out to be a really cool guy, uh, got chased out of the got followed out of the room by Julia, who threatened to um, uh, scratch his eyes out if he ever had that kind of attitude mm. with me or my family or anybody in that room again. And he changed quite a bit because, mm. I don't know, I think he was awkward. But how can it, look, you, and this is one of the reasons I want to talk to you about this is you, you've been very open about this on, on the blog. And I think 
cancer is hard for a lot of people to talk about. And I think people who are artistic maybe have a, a better ability to communicate in some ways with, with the rest of the world than, than the rest of us. Um, it's always going to be awkward. I mean, how, how, could you, how could you make it not awkward? Could you talk to someone to actually teach them to deliver news like that that wouldn't be almost impossibly awkward? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, go ahead. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely think so. I think that um, I think that part of some of the things that we're learning from, you know, we've been reading a lot of Bernie Siegel and yeah. um, Tate has gone to his um, his group, and I think that's one of the things that we're learning is that there is a way to talk about it um, that doesn't um, impart only terror, but also gives you all the information you need to know. Um, and that was my that was my anger with it when it first when we first found out. Um, the other thing that we've come to learn is that you know I, one of the things I think doctors are seem to be afraid to do is 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 really be very open with what they don't know. And the biggest thing they don't know is each person is so individual in their reaction to treatment. So I mean to say. You know, to say right off the bat what a prognosis is, I mean, the, the, the real answer is, here's the diagnosis. It's stage three adenocarcinoma. It is very serious. Here's what we're going to do. And then we're going to check on you. In, you know, we're going to check again with a PET scan in four months. And then we'll know how you're responding to treatment. Mm. It's mm. the same guy, the same oncologist, when I, when I went to his office not in the hospital. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him. He had to go out and get some test results. I'm looking around his office. The only book in his on his examination table in his office there on his desk is Bernie Siegel's Love, Miracles, and Magic. I mean, not Love, <laughs> Miracles, and Medicine. Yeah. It's the only book there. I mean, I'm sure the guy has read the book. Now, why he couldn't have come at me when we were in the hospital and said, stuff more reflective of Bernie Siegel's approach. I don't know. Well, tell our listeners a bit about Bernie Siegel's approach. He's been on our radio station before, and many people do know his work, but many others don't. What What is his approach that is that has helped you and that, that maybe you'd like to impart to other people? Basically, that you've got to trust and rely on the power that you have inside yourself, your own healing power. That's not, you know, I mean, he's, he's like, everything um, is is miraculous. Is a, is, a, is a miracle that we should embrace. Chemotherapy is a, is a miracle that we should embrace, even though it's, it's, it, what it does is really heavy duty. What it, what it does on the other side is cure cancer, you know, uh, radio, radio, radiological, radiation therapy is a miracle, uh, and we should embrace it as a miracle. We shouldn't look at it as we're being poisoned by this machinery or by these chemicals that make our, our healing process really hard. And um, take that and channel that in with the natural healing processes that we lose over the course of our lives, you know, in society and dealing with what we deal with, that we have to refine that those things, those, those natural healing sources that exist in all of us. Julia, what has it been like uh, watching Greg go through this process over the course of the last several months? Um, you know, we're really still, I'm whirling still. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, uh, 
it's been I feel like it's very much still unfolding. I mean, I'm I'm constantly blown away by his um, ability to stay positive and to keep his sense of humor. Um, those are the things that have made us, you know, best friends for 15 years. So on the other hand, I guess I'm not surprised. It just I'm so grateful for it. Um, it's been really terrifying, though, you know, really every step of the way because there was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know for two weeks, two solid weeks of every type of test possible, where, you know, really every type of test, what this was. I mean, there were three chest X-rays that came back negative. Or, you know, no, didn't show any sign. Didn't show anything, yeah. So the process of finding out and then the last 32 days of, of um, radiation has been, you know, it's I, he, he watching him, watching him, you know, be able to be honest with it and get angry when he needs to get angry and get upset when he needs to get upset and let us be sad and scared but then also stay, you know, stay strong and, and keep going has been, has been really amazing. I think the, the blog in its, in its own small ways is a powerful way to just get out some of these stories because there's, there's so many ways, and maybe this comes from, from what you've read from, from Dr. Siegel, there's so many ways that people deal with, with cancer differently. And, and I think we still have in America a lot of people wanting to whisper about yeah. it and not talk about it. And it seems as though you're, in, in as much as you can with your hoarse voice, you want to shout about it a little bit. You want to say it out loud. It's important to you to tell the story, huh? It's not so much that I want to shout it as much as it is that we need to talk about it. I mean, the number of people that I know who would be pissed off. I mean, ooh, can I say that on the air? We'll, we'll, we'll let it go this time. Okay, cool. Who would be really angry to find out that, you know, oh, Tate got lung cancer, and he died in three weeks or something like that. I mean, obviously, I haven't died. You know, the number of people who would be really upset by that and yelling at Julia and Steve and everybody else about nobody told me uh, was was the foundation of putting this blog together. You know, one of the thing that I'd written, I, the first entry I talked about, and, and I, I think about this, like, I think about this every day now, is, is there's the... Tate is loved so fiercely by so many people, you know, throughout the world, really, because he's done a lot of traveling himself and lived in, in uh, several different uh, major cities for a long time and always makes these friends and, and family members that don't just love him, but love him with a fierceness. And, yeah, we would hear that fierceness if, uh, you know, if we, if we hadn't made sure that everybody was included. And we're hoping that that, that fierceness is what you know, what helps to get him through. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about this this program tonight where his friends and artistic people from around the, the area are getting together to, to celebrate at the Mark Twain House? Yeah, so it's called An Evening of Ass Kicking. And um, and it's uh, the idea is is that we're going to uh, can I say that on air by the way I, I, again we'll we'll let yeah. it go this time <laughs> well we're gonna we're gonna help uh, help Tate kick this thing's butt and um, this was actually the brainchild of Jacques Lamar and Julia Pastel over at um, the Mark Twain House and Museum who Jacques within 24 hours of reading the blog 
called us up and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a benefit, and it's going to be called an evening of ass kicking, and we're going to have people read from their favorite ass kickers. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> and we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and so, so the two of them and our managing director from Heartbeat, uh, Jen Yanko, have been working primarily on it. And we've got a lineup of about 15 different performers and people. Um, so, yeah, we've got friends that are um, from another ensemble in New York coming up from Gutworks, Mixashan, as you said. Um, we've got Jeff Zinn, Howard Zinn's son, is coming in to read some of Howard's um, work. And so the idea is that each person is picking somebody that they have been inspired by, um, or either, you know, or who's written something, or and then they're going to sing something or play something um, in that vein. So, so Greg, before I let you go, who, who inspires you? Who, who's, who's your ass kicker? Um, I have, there's, a, there's a couple. Uh, Bernie Siegel is one of my favorites right now, obviously. Um, Baudelaire, <laughs> uh, believe it or not. Um, I, never, I, ne- I didn't think of that. But my first blog entry was a, um, a poem by Baudelaire uh, because about always being drunk and be always drunken. If you wouldn't be the martyred slave of time, drunken with what? With wine, with poetry, or with virtue, as you will. Uh, and as I look back on it, that's kind of been the theme of my life. It's like, I've tried. I really have tried as much as possible to live all those moments with that level of drunkenness. Um, and, uh, I, I, yeah, so that one keeps sticking with me. Uh, my friends, my entire... This one and my friend Bonnie, who who we talked about having beaten breast cancer and um, some of those just dear day-to-day friends. My experience with, with cancer is that it's, just, it's, it's not just a, um, a critical disease and life-challenging, but it's life-challenging on a lot of fronts. You know, that if you, if you allow yourself to be grabbed by it, it really does um, pervert, um, change your whole perspective on living, things that you know you should do, you don't want to do, because, you know, because of who knows what. It's just, it's it's not just a physical addiction, it's, I mean, addiction (laughs) is not just a physical (laughs) Affliction, uh, affliction. <laughs> yeah. It's a spiritual affliction, and you have to and you have to be willing to willing and able to try to the best of your ability to fight it on on both those all those levels. Well, Greg Tate, I wish you the very best, and uh, we'll have you back after you kick this thing's ass. I appreciate you very much coming in. Thank you, John. Uh, and Julia, thank you so much for coming in as well. Thanks so much for having us. Greg Tate and Julia Rosenblatt from the Heartbeat Ensemble. There is an event tonight at 7 o'clock at the Mark Twain House. A, a group of Greg Tate's friends and other supporters, folks from around the artistic community of Hartford and beyond, are coming for a Greg Tate benefit. 7 o'clock at the Mark Twain House. You can find out more on their website. Tucker Ives produces our program. Katie Talarski is the senior producer. I'm John Dankosky, and this is Where We Live. Where We Live.